Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Speaking of being wrong, and we'll spend more time on this train wreck of a team. We'll do another Rico, especially after this series is over. Let's get to where we were both wrong. And that is about Jacob DeGrom. I wanted the Mets to keep Jake. A lot of it was emotional. A lot of it was I'd rather pay the guy and take the risk on the guy that's done something for us. Obviously, with the news that came out Tuesday, I will admit, as I did on the air, I was wrong. The Mets would have been far worse off keeping Jake, unfortunately, because he does need Tommy John surgery, which is the big one. And I have, it's funny, that's always been the fear every time Jake had an injury over the last three years. Every time. Whether it was some scares in 2020, a lot of scares in 2021 before he was shut down, everything from 2022, I would always have the worry that it's the big one. And obviously, Tommy John, especially for a guy at his age and a guy that's had it before, that's the big one. That's the one where I always thought, if he ever needs it, his career is probably over. Him needing it now sucks. And if you're a Met fan who wanted DeGrom gone and you think he didn't want to be here and you couldn't trust him, you were right in terms of our debate. And I'd be the first to admit it. You were right. The Mets were better off not investing long-term in Jacob deGrom because now we know what happened. And what happened was he's probably never going to be the same again. He may never pitch again. It's on the table that Jacob deGrom never pitches again. But when you think about everything he did for this franchise, everything he did for us, and he ain't getting paid by us, he's getting paid by another team. Everything he did for us, 
And then if you saw the press conference where the guy is crying about the fact that he knows what we know, which is that he may never pitch again, I question if you're a Met fan, if you don't feel bad about what just happened, if you don't feel bad, because the time for debates, it's over. And you know why the debate's over? Because you won and we lost. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to work out great with Justin Verlander. It doesn't mean the Mets are going to win, but clearly just separating Verlander and separating any kind of replacement they could have had. Jacob deGrom is never going to be the same. He made six starts this year. It doesn't matter what he did in those six starts. Never lost the game and pitched relatively well after his first start, but it doesn't matter because he's not going to pitch again this season. I really would be surprised if he pitches next season. And now we're talking about a 36-year-old guy coming off a second Tommy John surgery. If he ever does pitch again, I don't know how long it can be. So when I got this news and I was on the air when it was happening, I felt horrible for him. I felt horrible for him. Then I started to shift towards his legacy. And as painful as this is to say, I think his Met legacy just got insured. I really do. Because I think what could have changed things with Jake is going somewhere else and being great. Because then there would have been Met fans who said, as conspiratory as this is, he never wanted to be here. He was faking injuries. Now he wins a Cy Young with Texas. And I think that the bitterness that some Met fans had towards Jake would have built. And it would have gained steam. And I don't know if you ever would have looked at him the same way. If he wins a World Series with Texas. If he wins two more Cy Youngs. I think there would have been, not from me, not from Pete necessarily, but from other Met fans, this CF that guy. And I think now, like I said earlier, if you're a Met fan with any sort of compassion, you're going to look at what happened to him and say, yeah, he got his money, and he definitely got that, but, oh my God, he wasn't faking injuries for three years. He wasn't refusing to pitch because he wanted to get out of here for three years. To my partner, Craig, he wasn't a hypochondriac for three years. There was something wrong. Now, why was there something wrong? I always surmised back in my days with Joe that it felt unnatural for somebody to throw that hard that often. He would throw 100 miles an hour on almost every single pitch, and it scared me, and it made me think it wasn't natural. Is that what caused all this? I can't tell you it is. I don't think we'll ever know. But I think the fact that he is career now Barring some kind of comeback with Texas where, and and again, even if he does come back, I don't know what he can actually be. An average middle of the rotation guy? I don't know what he can be. I know Justin Verlander successfully came back from Tommy John at a later age and won a Cy Young. I don't know if DeGrom's built that way. I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to pull that off. And so I really think not for me and you, Pete, but for other Met fans that started to dislike him, I think your love for him or your appreciation for him will come back a lot quicker because he's never going to do anything for another team. He's just not. And now when you think of Jacob deGrom, I think you're going to think of him pitching here. You're not going to think of, I can't believe he left. He left for what? Six starts? He left for what? Tommy John surgery? Like, I think in a weird way, This only improves his Met legacy, as sad as it is for him.
No, you know, I, I don't, I can't disagree. I think there's still people that are going to still have that thick headedness and say, no matter what, oh, he was, he wanted the money. He wanted to leave. He never wanted to be here. And that's still going to ring. Like the Carlos Beltran stuff. The fact that he went to, you know, checked in with New York, the Yankees, before he came to the Mets, that's always that resonates with a lot of people. And that's why they downplay Carlos Beltran's career. But you're right. The fact is, he gave his best numbers to the Mets. And the one thing I will say over the past three years, whether it's hypochondriac or whatever, was he pitching differently because they knew he knew something was up with his elbow? I mean, didn't Sandy put out some sort of report and say something like, they found something. They weren't so, sure. Sandy said he had a partially torn UCL. Now, when you have that, sometimes you could pitch with it. Masahiro Tanaka pitched with it for many years. Adam Wainwright pitched with it for many years. Jacob DeGrom denied that. I, I can't tell you that that injury was real, that Sandy was right, Jake denied it, and that that's what eventually snapped this. I, I don't know. I'm certainly not a doctor, but clearly I'd say since t- – I want to say 2020, 2020, he made 12 starts. And I think if you pitched the whole year, you would have made 15. So he basically pitched a full year, but he had a lot of scares in 2020. So to me, I would start the DeGrom breaking down period in 2020, 2021. And Gary Cohen said this on the broadcast when he pitched in the first half of 2021, he put together maybe the most dominant first half in the history of baseball. He was that good. But as he was doing that, he was coming out of games. Uh Uh-oh, he felt something. Uh Uh-oh, no hitter after three innings, he's coming out. So even as he was pitching to a 108 ERA and almost making every start, because he made 15 of them in the first half of the year, so do the math. He was on pace to at least make 28, 29 starts. There was scares every other week. So I don't know if all of this... And all of those scares led up to this. But here's what I find really interesting about DeGrom. If Jacob DeGrom never pitches again, his career numbers are ridiculous. They they are. And don't give me the win total. The win total is so out of it in 2023. He would have pitched to a 2.53 earned run average, a 2.52 ERA in his time with the Mets, which is right there with Tom Seaver. Now, a lot less innings. I get it. It's a different era, though. So for anyone who attacks the innings, I mean, yeah, he's not, he's going to come up small compared to Bob Gibson, who, of course, everybody is. So we have to look at him in the context of this era. And in the context of this era, he was as good as it gets. But here's what I wonder about DeGrom. And I want to bring up Koufax, not to compare innings, because we know it's a different era, but in terms of the invincibility that Sandy Koufax created. And leave out innings in complete games because obviously Pedro Martinez, Jacob DeGrom, Johan Santana, they can't match that. We all get that. But what Sandy Koufax did at the age of 30, coming off a stupidly amazing Cy Young year, was retire. He retired. In the middle of his career, with the numbers still in bold on baseball reference, Sandy Koufax said, I want to be able to lift my elbow when I'm 50. And so even though you can't see what's wrong with me, and medical science was obviously very different back then than today, he walked away. Sandy Koufax had five of the most brilliant seasons a pitcher could have in the history of baseball. Look it up, five. But he left at the top of his game, 
and he left with the legend intact. Johan Santana. That's who I'm going to bring up. I'm not, I'm not even getting the DeGrom. Let's get to Johan Santana. If you look at Johan Santana's absolute dominance at the peak of his performance when he's winning a Cy Young with the Minnesota Twins, a second Cy Young with the Minnesota Twins, finishing third in the Cy Young voting with the Mets, winning three ERA titles, leading the league in innings, Johan was at the peak of his game. If at age, I guess he would have been 30, 31, kind of like Sandy, said, I'm done. Look, I'm a little guy. Yeah, I got some years left on my med contract. I don't want to pitch anymore. I want to be able to lift my elbow when I'm 50. Same thing Koufax said. Would we think differently about him? Or because he tried to pitch through injury, and yes, he pitched a no-hitter in 2012, but then couldn't get anybody out. And then went to camp with the Orioles and tried to pitch. Does that hurt him? Like if Santana said, I'm done, let's get to DeGrom. If Jacob DeGrom, after winning the Cy Young in 2019, said, I'm going to stun everybody. I'm out. Yeah, I know I went back-to-back signings. I'm out. I'm done. I feel something's off with my health, and I don't want to do this. I have kids. I have a wife. I'm out. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride-or-die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. First of all, we would have all been like, what? You're under contract. You're a Met. But let's say he said that to us. Let's say he said, I'm done. I'm co-faxing this. Would we think differently about him? And my point to this is, do we think differently about Sandy Koufax? And obviously we didn't see him. Some of our listeners have. We haven't. But do we think differently about him because we never saw him human? We saw him as a Superman walk away at the top. And while Santana got hurt and struggled and DeGrom got hurt, never really struggled, but could not stay healthy. Do we think of them differently? And does that, is that the reason why Johan Santana will never get to the Hall of Fame? Why Jacob DeGrom may not get to the Hall of Fame? But Sandy Koufax is regarded as the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball. You hear that from a lot of people. Sandy Koufax is the greatest pitcher in the history of baseball. I'm not here to argue with them, but I am here to say, do you think it's possible that leaving before we saw the vulnerability is why you think that? It's like, I don't want to make this comparison, but I am. It's like assassinated presidents. We never saw Abraham Lincoln get ridiculed for reconstruction. We never saw Jack Kennedy get ridiculed for Vietnam. They died at the top of their game. I know that is just a, you don't like that comparison, Pete. Uh, Too soon? 
That was yeah, too soon. That was phenomenal. I actually think that, that that's the best comparison of all time. I don't know how you pulled that one out, but that's amazing. <laughs> I do think there's something too when we see vulnerability, and we saw it from Degrom, and we saw it from Tim Lincecum. I'm, I'm not suggesting Tim Lincecum is a Hall of Famer. It's more the idea of when a guy dominates, and Lincecum did it for. Four years. So it wasn't quite five, but it was it was close. And he never led the league in ERA. Did win two Cy Youngs, though. And he did. But if he would have, after 2011, said, I'm out. You know what? I, I could just feel it's not going to end well for me. Like, almost you could tell the future. And you didn't care that much about money. You're like, I'm good. And by the way, speaking of money, it does bring up the Koufax thing. If Koufax was playing in an era, in which you were getting paid $30 million a year, does he necessarily walk away? I don't know if he does. I don't know if he does. It may be easier to walk away, even though you don't have that life savings to live on, but you're not making $35 million a year. So there's going to be a lot of discussion on, hey, did DeGrom do enough to be a Hall of Famer? And the reason my knee-jerk reaction is to say he falls a little bit short is the Johan thing, that Johan is not even considered. And if you look at Johan's dominance with Minnesota and briefly with the Mets, I think the top of DeGrom was better. Don't get me wrong, but Santana's not even considered. And he won two Cy Youngs, but we saw him immortal. Not immortal. We saw him mortal. We saw him human. And I wonder if that affects people. And so Jacob DeGrom over the last three years, as great as he's been when he's pitched, like we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him pitch badly by any stretch. He's had his bad moments. I know Met fans were all going to remember Oakland last year, but for the most part, he was really good. But we saw him brittle, and we saw his inability to stay on the field. And that sometimes affects people more than just leaving at the top of your game the way Jim Brown did, the way Sandy Koufax did, the way Barry Sanders did. If Barry Sanders started to break down as a running back, what would we think? Would we think differently about him if we saw the ugly part of his career? With that said, I stand by something I said when he left as a free agent. I feel more confident about it today than I did then. No one will ever wear the number 48. He will get his number retired. And I do think that most Met fans, even those that turned on him, would give the man a standing ovation. In fact, if the Mets call up Jake privately or talk to the Rangers because I don't don't know if they could talk to him privately. It'd be tampering and say, look, come to New York for the series in August. We want to honor you. Not putting you in the Hall of Fame necessarily, but we want to give you the tribute video. It'd be cool if you were there and Jake agreed. And the Mets played a tribute video before one of those games. There is not a doubt in my mind he would get a standing ovation. Not a doubt. And I think a part of that, as sad as this is, is that his ending, potential ending to his career, almost in a weird way makes Met fans feel better. And that doesn't mean you're happy about it. It doesn't mean you should root for it. No one is, but it's the piece of, okay, we made the right decision. He's not going to do something spectacular anywhere else. And as effed up as that sounds, I do think that's the truth. And I think that's a part of why the healing from Met fans will be easier and he'll get a, a, a bigger ovation. I texted Sal. Actually, Lakata texted me because he's a bad guy. And he says to me, still want DeGrom back. 
which I thought was, come on, come on, Sal, really? And I wrote him immediately and said, I'll take my L. Like, obviously, I was wrong about the risk reward of bringing him back. And I said, I feel bad. But then I asked him a question. I said, you're better to answer this than me because I love the guy. Pete loves the guy. We're fans of Jacob DeGrom. But 10 years from now, don't you look back at Jake more positively because it's incredibly unlikely he does anything for another team, that this is it. This is his career. And Sal acknowledged, absolutely. He got the money he deserved from another team and gave his best years to the Mets. It's odd to be on that side of things. And he's right. And I do think so. Even Sal, who we argued about DeGrom, I think even he says, yeah, of course. When I look back on him, I'm not going to have these weird memories of him winning a Cy Young with Texas. And it makes things easier. But from a human standpoint, I know he has a lot of money. Money doesn't buy everything. The pain in his voice, the tears he would fight back as he talked about this is heartbreaking. And you feel terrible for Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't really add too much to it because you put a, a som- like very somber uh, feel to this whole conversation. Because I do – listen, I, I don't want to be too emotional, but I do love Jacob DeGrom. He was – I think he was one of the more underappreciated Mets of all time. I don't think Mets fans really knew what they had. You know – Every start was – I felt like it was special when he was at, at the t- height of his game. And we – again, like we almost like – a lot of people pushed him aside like get out of here. Like we almost ran him out of town. I don't think a lot of people recognize what they had. And like you said, 10 years from now, I think people will be bowing down to the fact that Jacob DeGrom was who he was for us. No doubt. Now I hope he does come back. I hope he can add to his resume, but I think it's likely that this resume he's put together is what will cause many debates for years and years concerning the Hall of Fame. Because I think it's an interesting debate, and I, I've had it with various players or about various players over the years, which is if you are the best at what you do, but it's a short period of time, is that enough? And I give you a great example for a lot of our friends, a lot of Yankee fan friends say this about Don Mattingly, and they're not wrong. For a short period of time, Don Mattingly was the best player in the American League. There's no question. And by the way, I would ask that same quitting while you're on top question about Don Mattingly. If Don Mattingly, who was really battling with back issues at the age of 28 years old, his last all-star year, when he hit 23 home runs and drove at 113 runs and he was 28 and it was 1989. If Don Mattingly had a press conference and said, I know you guys don't see this. My back is killing me. I'm not playing anymore. I'm done. I just gave you the best five years of my career. I won an MVP. I led the league in RBIs one year. I got these massive numbers, but I'm done. Does Don Mattingly waltz into the Hall of Fame? Maybe he does, because what hurt Don Mattingly is the same thing that hurt a lot of the other guys we just talked about. I kept it to pitchers, but I think Mattingly is a great example. He started to look human and look average and look like not the guy who he was in 1985 and in 1986 and in 1984. So when we don't see a guy struggle, we just see a guy say, I'm out. 
It changes the way we view him. We'll spend more time on this because I do think it's a fascinating debate looking at the Grom's legacy compared to others who dominated for a short period of time. Would you put David right up there in that conversation too, or no? Is he he wasn't as no good? because no because I don't think as David was really good, really good. He was never the best, and I think with Santana and Degrom and Mattingly, they were the best. They were the best at what they do for a short period of time. I adore David Wright. I don't know if he was ever the best. Not that he was the best third baseman. Yeah, maybe. But I'm talking about the best. Was he ever the best player in the National League? No. So I think it is very, very different. We'll have some more Ricos throughout the week. Obviously, this series against the Atlanta Braves, plus coming up, the could have been offseason, which I guess we'll spend some time on the could have been of re-signing DeGrom and what that would have looked like. By the way, if the Mets re-signed DeGrom and this happens, oh, then again, you know what we call that? David Wright. Because that's pretty much what happened. They kept David Wright, and that last contract was an unmitigated disaster because he couldn't stay healthy. Either way, uh, we appreciate all the emails. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them. The Rico B at gmail.com. The Rico B at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening to Rico Bro. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronio podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs> 